I was so excited. Um, it was one of those suites. I've never, I've only been kind of um, in the regular stadium, but it's one of those where they cater in the food, so you don't have to pay for the food, and there's drinks, and there's all of that stuff, and it's the platinum parking. Um, but we had something that night at church, and so I was so upset. I was like, can I move it? But we couldn't do that. And um, I know this is still a little bit sore, but it turned out to be kind of a bad game. Um, so I don't know if we would have wanted to be there. But let me tell you this. When we first got that text, I was so excited because Sarah's boss, Chris, like he's here in the Dallas area. He owns a few different companies. So I'm like, there are clients, there are contacts, different people that he could invite. He's a lawyer. So he could have, I'm sure, invited other people. He has family members and friends. But for some reason, he chose to text us and wanted us to be his guest. And in that moment, I felt so special. I felt so honored that somehow we made it to that list, like we made it to the top of that list. I don't know if you've ever been invited to something like that. Maybe it's not like a Cowboys game and a nice suite at the Cowboys game, but maybe it's a birthday party or even just out to coffee or out to lunch with someone. Or maybe there's a wedding and there's only a limited guest list, but somehow you made it on that list. And whenever you're invited like that, it makes you feel special, that that person thought of you, that they considered you, and and somehow out of everyone else that could be at their house for that game night on a Friday night, you got invited. And so inviting someone else lets us know, hey, we're thinking about you, that you matter to us, we're concerned about you. That's what an invitation does. And yet when we step back and take a look, there are so few of us that are ever inviting someone else into our relationship with Jesus or into a Sunday morning service like this where others can be connected with God. A matter of fact, statistics tell us that for Christians in North America, that out of every hundred, only one of us this year will have a spiritual conversation with someone else that's not connected to church or Christ. Stop and think about that. 99 of us out of every hundred are not doing what Jesus has told us to do. We're not inviting others and we're not sharing our faith. We're not having those conversations. Only 2% of us. Now, maybe sharing your faith with Jesus seems a little big, but we're not doing much better. Only 2% of us are, that go to church are inviting non-churchgoers to come and be a part of a church service, to experience God, to be a part of our community of faith. Only 2%. So even if sharing Christ or praying with someone seems a little bit scary, even just saying, hey, I want you to come and be my guest, I want to invite you, only 2% of us are doing that every single year are stepping out of our comfort zone and inviting other people. Now, there could be a lot of reasons why we don't invite people. Some of us feel like, I don't know who I would invite. Like, if I really had to think about it, I'm sure everyone that I'm around, like, they know Jesus, they go to church. After all, we're in Texas, and it seems like there are hundreds of churches right here in Mesquite or the surrounding area. You know, going back to the late 90s, they did a study, and two out of every 10 Americans said, I don't have a church home. Like, I don't have a church that I'm connected with, only two out of ten. Then about a decade later, 15 years later, around 2010, um, it was 3%. 3% of Americans said, I don't have a church that I'm connected with. But today, that statistic looks very different. It's around um, six out of every ten that say, I don't have a church that I'm connected with. I don't have a place to worship. I don't have a place where I'm growing spiritually or where I'm growing in my relationship with God. And even out of the four out of ten that do, let's be honest, a lot of them are like, I go to church on Easter, 
or I go to church on Christmas, like that four out of ten still I don't feel like is really grabbing like who's really connected into a faith community or into a body of believers. So really half the people you know, you could invite them. Like, I mean, over probably half of the people that you're around pretty often don't have a relationship with Jesus or aren't connected to a church or don't have a place where they're growing spiritually. Students, when you're in your classroom, probably half of them are not connected to church. Adults in the workplace or in your neighborhood, out of the houses surrounding you, more than half of them don't have a place where they are growing or being challenged to get to know God or engage with Scripture. And there are so many of us, a lot of times we don't think, well, I really don't know who I would invite. There was a famous anthropologist named Robin Dunbar, and he says the average person has 150 in what he called our relational basket. Okay? Now, this isn't your 2,000 Facebook friends, okay? But these are just connections that you have, some of them closer, some of them a little bit further away, but 150 people that you're interacting with somewhat on a routine basis. Another sociologist group did a study, and they said you have 12 interactions every single day, 12 social interactions. Once again, that's not Instagram or Facebook or yelling at someone because of their political opinion. These are face-to-face, like social interactions that you and I have every single day, not just once a week, every single day, 12 individuals that we are connecting with on a routine basis in conversations And yet, once again, only 2% of us are ever stepping out of our comfort zone and inviting anyone to church, inviting anyone to grow in their relationship with God. The staff and I were reading through this book called Intentional Churches right now, and out of all of the hundreds and thousands of churches they've worked with, this is what they've discovered is that the average person that goes to church, we have 20, what they call in our relational reach or gospel potential, 20 people that do not know Jesus and that would connect with church if we would simply ask them. And yet only 2% of us are ever stepping out of our comfort zone and inviting someone to come to church and to be a part of that. For others of us, like, we don't know how, to peop- how people would react, right? Like, maybe they will go rage monster. You're going to invite someone, and they're going to freak out on you and yell and rip up the invite, or they're going to ask you some theological question, and you don't know how to respond, and you're going to get all nervous and like, I don't know what to say. And so maybe that's why we don't ask people. But another survey that was done said 71% of non-churchgoers would go to church if a family member, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, someone invited them. 71% of people said, yeah, I would go to church if someone invited me that do not have a church home, that are not connected with church. 71% said, yeah, I would go check out that person's church or I would go with them to church. And so maybe we don't know how people would respond, but they're telling us, hey, I would most likely say yes. I would come with you on a Sunday morning to find out what your church is about. 71% said that. Another study found that when people are connected with church and when they found out how did you get connected, 2% say, I saw an advertisement. It's driving down the road, saw the billboard up on the screen or whatever that was, um, saw something, Facebook ad, 2% said that. 6% said, a pastor invited me. There was a pastor from a church that reached out and did that. 6% said it was an evangelism outreach. It was some special thing that was done. 86% said, family member, friend, neighbor, coworker invited me. That's how I got connected to church. Now stop and think about that. That many people say, hey, it's a personal connection that got me to church. 
and yet of churchgoers. We're not doing that. Only 2% are inviting people to say, come with me, even though we're hearing that other people need to be invited by a personal invite. It's someone connecting with them, talking with them that really does that. In that book that I mentioned that our staff is reading, this is kind of the underlying idea about a church being intentional. That if a church does not have a strategic and repetitive focus on unchurched people, that we will gravitate inward and we will gradually die. That means that if we don't have a way where we're saying, this is how we're doing this, and if we don't constantly keep this in front of us, we'll begin to just focus on each other. We'll high-five each other, right? We'll pat each other on the back. Hey, I'm thinking about you. We'll just be concerned and connected with who's already in the room. And eventually, that will lead to a slow death in a church. Unless we're strategic and repetitively focused on the unchurched, we will focus inward, we'll gravitate inward, and we will slowly die. And that's not what we see in the Scripture. That's not who we see that God is or who we should be. Most people, when they were asked, like, why don't you invite people to church? A lot of people said, I thought that was the pastor's job. Like, I thought... Isn't that what you do, Pastor Aaron, or the other pastors on staff? Like, that's what you do. But, spoiler alert, I'm not in your workplace. Students, I'm not in that classroom, and I'm not on your sports team. And you probably don't want me on your sports team, right? Like, I don't live in your house or your apartment, and your neighbors are not my neighbors. And so if we're expecting, like, well, that's what the pastor does, the pastor or our pastoral staff or leadership team, we can't be everywhere that you are. So it's not just the pastor's job. It is my responsibility, but it's not only my responsibility. Other people said this, I'm embarrassed of stuff our church does. Like we sing songs. I don't know what my friends will think about that. Um, some people clap their hands, right? Like I don't know what that'll be like. Like we're kind of nervous about what our friends and families and coworkers will think if we invite them to church. What will that be like for them? But in this article I read, they said this is the number one reason we think people don't invite others to church. We've forgotten what it's like to be lost. Do you hear that, church? We have forgotten what it's like to be lost. See, honestly, some of us have been doing this for three years, five years, ten years. Some of us for over a decade. And we forgot what it was like to be broken with no hope. Now, we still have issues in our life, right? We still have struggles. We still face sin. There's still trials and crisis that we go through. But we sit in this place with the knowledge that we don't walk through it alone. We have a God who sees us, who loves us, and we have a church community that's praying for us, that's there to encourage us. When we want to throw in the towel, when we're facing doubts, there are others around us saying, keep going, you can do this, God has a plan. But all around us, there are people who don't have that. And many of us, we've forgotten what it's like to walk in their shoes. We've forgotten what it's like to face relational issues and relational discord and relational separation and not have a God that we can pray to. We've forgotten what it's like to face big situations and not know to open up the scripture and say, God, give me some wisdom because I don't know what to do. We have forgotten what it is like to be lost. And what we see from Jesus is he was all about inviting people. He was all about inviting everyone into a relationship with him, inviting them into the kingdom of God, inviting them into a celebration, inviting them into a life of hope and purpose and meaning. And if we call ourselves Christians, 
We better be doing what Jesus was doing. We have to be doing that, church. And so I'm going to give you a number of scriptures. You can write some of these down. I'm going to quickly go over them, but I want to encourage you. Take notes of this. Open up the NCC Sermon app. You can see this. Follow along and go back and reflect on some of these. In Mark chapter 1, verse 16, look at this. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come and follow me, Jesus said. It's an invitation into relationship. Jesus is looking at these fishermen and he's saying, hey, I want you with me. I want you to do what I'm doing. I want you to be near to me. I want to be connected with you. Come and follow me. It was an invitation into discipleship. It was an invitation into relationship. I want you to see what the kingdom of heaven is like. I want you to see what God is up to. Come and follow me. Jesus was inviting them. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus meets this guy in the Bible. He's referred to as the rich young ruler. And Jesus looks at him and he says, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, go sell all your possessions and come and follow me. Mark's gospel said Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus wanted a relationship with him. Hey, I want you to be connected with the kingdom of God. In Luke chapter 19, we read about this man named Zacchaeus. Now, this was a short guy. And so when Jesus is coming through town, he climbs a tree. And no one else wants to be with Zacchaeus because he's a tax collector, which means he works for the Roman Empire, the enemies of the Jewish people. And so while he's up in the tree, Jesus walks by and he stops and he says, Zacchaeus, I want you to come down from the tree because I'm going to go and eat at your house today. When everyone else had kind of written Zacchaeus off, said, you're a tax collector, I don't want anything to do with you. Jesus stops the whole crowd and he says, Zacchaeus, I want a relationship with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to get to know you. I want to be at your house. Jesus is always inviting people into his life. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, many people feel like this is Jesus' life statement. That he summed up the entirety of his life in this one sentence that says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Jesus said, you want to know what my life is about? Do you want to know why I came? Do you want to know what it is that I'm up to? It's not a mystery. I came to seek and to save the lost. I'm inviting people back into a relationship with God. I'm inviting people to come back and connect with God and to be a part of the kingdom of God. This is why I've come to this earth. Jesus was always inviting people. He was looking for the one. He was looking for the one that was lost, the one that was broken, the one that was hurting. That's why he came here to this world. I remember being just a young boy, and I think I heard my dad share this story for the first time. Maybe you've heard it. It's by a speaker um, and an author named Tony Campalo. And he was a sociologist, and he spoke at different conferences. And he was at this conference. He was, normally, he lived on the East Coast, but he flew out to Hawaii and he's speaking at this conference, and so it's like 3 o'clock in the morning. But he's used to that being breakfast time back on the East Coast. So he's like, I get up, I walk out of my hotel room, I'm looking for a place to eat breakfast, but it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and almost no place is open. But he said, I found this little diner, and he said, it was like a greasy spoon. If you guys have ever been to one of those, he's like, it's like, should I order something, should I not, is it safe to eat here? But he's like, it's the only place that's open, so I go in, I sit down, and he's like, I order a coffee and a donut. And then these two women walk in. He's like, I can immediately tell they are prostitutes. Okay, it's the middle of the night. 
They're finishing up their work. They come in and they order breakfast. The one sitting closest to me, her name is Agnes. We're at kind of the diner bar there. We're eating our food. I'm drinking my coffee. And I hear her say to her friend, tomorrow's my birthday. I'm going to be 39 years old. And her friend looks at her and says, why are you telling me? Like, what do I care? And what do you want me to do, throw you a birthday party? And Agnes says, why are you being so mean? Like, I was just telling you, tomorrow's my 39th birthday. And they finish their breakfast, they get up, you know, they walk out, they leave. And Tony's still sitting there, and he looks at the owner of the diner, and he says, do those women come in here a lot? And he's like, yeah, they come in here every night. Tony said, I just have this, I have this crazy idea, let's throw Agnes a birthday party. We're going to throw Agnes a birthday party. And I'll buy everything. I'll buy the birthday decorations, the balloons, everything. I'll bring it. I'll get the birthday cake. I'll get the candles. We'll come and do this tomorrow night. Whenever Agnes comes in, we're going to celebrate her birthday. The guy that owns the diner says, my wife is a cook, so I'll take care of the cake. But yeah, let's do this. So Tony gets there at 2.30 a.m. the next night. He starts setting up. He's like, at 3 o'clock, word must have got out because every prostitute in Honolulu is packed into the small diner. And he's like, I'm there, like setting everything up. Sure enough, 3.30, Agnes walks in, and we say, happy birthday! And everyone starts singing, happy birthday to you, you know, like we're all singing. And Agnes is blown away, and we bring out the cake and the candles, and we're like, blow out the cake, and she can't because she's crying. Like just sobbing, almost uncontrollably. She looks up, and she's like, no one has ever remembered my birthday. He said, we got ready to cut the cake, and Agnes stopped us, and she said, please, don't cut the cake can I take the cake home? I want to remember this moment. I don't want to forget this. I want to keep this cake. And so she walks out with the cake. She lives just a couple of blocks away. She's like, I'll be right back. She walks out with the cake. And he's like, I'm standing in this diner with what seemed like 50, 60 prostitutes, like in this small place. And I don't know what to do. So I pray. And I'm leading all these prostitutes in this prayer. Like we're going to pray for Agnes. And so I start praying, God, let Agnes know your love. Let her know she's valued, she's special. God, let this be a special day for her. And I say amen, and then I'm like, okay, we're going to hang out. And he's like, all of a sudden, the diner owner grabs my arm. And he says, hey, mister, you didn't tell me you were a preacher. What kind of church do you go to? And he said, I go to the church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. And the guy said, that church doesn't exist, but if it did... That's the kind of church that I would go to. You guys, I'm here to tell you, God is throwing a party. And you and I get to be the ones that invite people to come and to experience the love of God, to experience what God is doing, that he sees them even in the midst of their crisis. He values them. His passion is for them. We see this in Luke chapter 15. Jesus tells three stories. All of them are around the same thought. They call them parables in the Bible, but they're really just a story with meaning. And I just want to read the first one to you. The first one says this in Luke 15, verse 1. Now tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. These were the outcasts of that society. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Now the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, these are the religious people. These are the ones that, said they were connected to God, but yet they're the ones that think, you know what, no one else belongs in the kingdom of God because they're not as special as us. These were the Pharisees and the tax collectors. So Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and you lose one of them. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the open country 
and go after that lost sheep until you find it? And when you find it, wouldn't you put it on your shoulders and go home? And then this person would call all his friends and neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. And I tell you in that same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Jesus is all about the one. Jesus is all about the one. I've come to seek and to save the lost. That's what he's saying. And he's looking at these religious people that think they have it all together, that think they're on the inside of the kingdom of God, that think they're the ones that are closest to God, and he's like, you are missing it. This isn't just about you being religious. This isn't about you being righteous or having the right behavior or doing the right things. This, what is God passionate about? He's passionate about the one that's lost. And so imagine the shepherd, and it's the middle of the night, and he notices that one of his sheep is missing, and he starts to walk around, and he's willing to kind of endanger his life and get close to the cliff and look and see if the sheep is down there. He's willing to kind of push through the brush and the bushes and the thorns to see if the sheep is caught in the midst of that. He's willing to walk into ditches and kind of duck down wherever he has to go until he finds this one lost sheep. Jesus is saying, I want you to picture this. The shepherd is willing to do whatever it takes. Jesus is all about the one. And you guys, if we call ourselves Christians, we need to be doing what Jesus has called us to do what he did in his life. I've shared this before, but some of you guys know my story. Grew up in a pastor's home, but in high school, I had walked away from God. Didn't have a relationship with Jesus and didn't go to church unless my mom and dad made me. And one night we were getting arrested by the cops. And I'm out there getting arrested. The cops are talking to my friends. We're in the middle of this subdivision. So we're around people's houses And I think this has got to be one of the worst nights of my life. And I don't know what's going to happen. And this lady walks out of her house and comes and talks to me. And it starts as a casual conversation, like she's asking what happened. And I'm having to tell her what I just did and the trouble that I'm facing. And we start talking about high school. I was a um, senior in high school, so she asked me what school I went to. She had a daughter that went to a different school. I knew where it was at. And then she looks at me and she's like, I don't want this to be weird, but... I felt like God told me to come out here and talk to you. And she just says, do you know Jesus? Like, do you have a church that you're connected with? And I said, hey, I grew up in church. Like, I know about God. I know about the Bible. But I'm not really following God. And she's like, hey, I just want to encourage you. God sees you. He sees right where you're at. And as soon as we got to that point in the conversation, the police officers came over said, Mr. Escamilla, you're not allowed to talk to anyone, and they handcuffed me and put me back in the squad car. But not before I got to have that conversation. And I remember sitting in the back of that police car, and all I could think is, God, if you could send someone out of their house in the middle of the night, in the worst night of my life, you have got my attention. You've got my focus. What do you want, God? And you guys, that was the turning point in my life. I don't know who that lady is. I doubt I could take you back in Colorado Springs to that subdivision. I don't even know where she lives. I don't know her name. I don't know anything. She changed my eternity. She made a forever impact on my life because she was willing to get out of bed in the middle of the night and come talk to someone and just listen to the voice of God. That's how Jesus is. He's all about the one. He's all about the one that's broken. 
He is about the one in your workplace that is hurting. He is about the one whose marriage is, is, break, whose marriage is breaking apart. He's about the one who just got the bad doctor's report or who doesn't know how the future is going to turn up. Jesus is passionate about those people. And he's inviting you and me to be a part of what it is that he is doing. We get to be a part of inviting others into the kingdom of God. So let me tell you how we're going to do this. We already kind of mentioned it. We're going to let you know also at the end of service, but we're starting a new series in February. We're going to have strategic times throughout this year, Easter, Christmas, but also other Sundays where we're going to be in a place like this and we're going to challenge you this week, go look for the one. This week, invite the one. This week, have that conversation because 71% of the people that you invite, they're going to come to church with you. And so we're going to get out of our comfort zone and we're going to do this. And this is what we're going to do. One of the first things in inviting people is we're just going to listen for life change in conversations because they are God moments. Here's what I mean by that. You're in your workplace and someone says, oh man, me and my wife are separating. That's a life change. Right? You notice a U-Haul just down the street or a few apartments over and someone says, I just moved into the area. I'm brand new here. That's a life change. That's a God moment. You're at your kid's sports event, and someone says, we're expecting our third baby. I don't know what we're going to do. That's a life change. That's a God moment, right? I just got a promotion at my work. That's a life change. We're going to listen for life change moments because those are God moments. And we have the opportunity to say, really, man, a family member's sick. Do you have anyone to pray for you? Because I'd love for you to come be my guest at my church. We take time and we pray over each other. We encourage one another. Man, your marriage is on the rocks. Like, do you have anyone to walk through that with you? I know that's got to be so difficult. I want to invite you to my church. Like, I want you to come and be a guest with me because we want to encourage. We want to build people up. We don't want you walking through this alone. That's got to be so difficult. Wait, you're having another baby. Like, do you have a place to, for people to encourage you and to help them grow and, and learn what is right? Like, I'd love for you to come to our church. We have an amazing kids program. Would you be my guest? We're listening for life change moments because those are God moments. And we have a chance to invite someone. We have a chance to connect someone to Jesus or to connect them to this community of faith to help them grow, to help them develop. So I want to challenge you. Listen with your ears. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen for those moments to encourage others to come and connect. That's how we're going to do this. The second thing is we're going to invite them like they are coming to your house because they are. Okay? So when we're inviting people, we're going to invite them like they're coming to our house because that's what they are doing. No one, you would not say, hey, my house is pretty cool. Could you go check it out? Right? If you do, you're going to get some weird stalkers. Okay, right? Like, it's not like, hey, go to my house. No, it's, hey, come over, be my guest, come with me. Like, I want to invite you, right, over to dinner, or over to board night, or whatever you're doing at your house. This is your house. You're part of the NCC family. This is home for us. And so when you're inviting people, you're not just hoping like, hey, I hope you show up randomly. No, you're my guest. Like, I'll meet you at the front door. It's not going to be awkward. I'm going to make sure you know where everything is at. Like, you're going to invite them like you're inviting them over to your home because this is about relationships. No one's doing this thing alone. No one's doing this by themselves. We have a chance to be a part of the party that the kingdom of heaven is throwing. 
we have a chance to invite others to come and experience that, to experience the love of God. Jesus is all about the one. So church, if we call ourselves Christians, we had better be doing what Jesus is doing. We need to be inviting people. We need to be encouraging others to come. I want to pray for us this morning. I'm going to ask if you would take a moment and bow your head and close your eyes, and we're going to respond in a few different ways. You may be here this morning, or maybe you're watching online, and for some reason you stopped on this video, and you're watching this, you're listening to this. It is not by accident. I'm here to tell you this morning, or for some of you, remind you, this is a God who is all about relationship. He's inviting you into relationship with him because he wants to be near to you. He wants to be involved in your life. He wants to be a part of what's going on. The good, the bad, the ugly, the mistakes, the failures, the successes, the celebrations. He wants to be in every part of your life. And if you're here this morning and you've never accepted that invitation, I want to pray with you. I want you to join with me in praying and we're going to just do that. We're going to invite God to be a part of our life and to say, God, I want to get to know you more. I want to be connected with you. And so if that's you, this prayer that we're going to pray, it's simply going to admit, hey, I've messed up. All of us have done that. And it's going to say, I can't fix myself on my own, but Lord, I'm coming to you praying for your forgiveness. The Bible tells us that's what the cross was. Jesus gave his life. He sacrificed himself for us. He died on the cross so that we could be restored back into right relationship with God. And if that's you, I want to invite you to pray with me. Now, no one's going to pray this alone. If you're watching this, um, worshiping with us online, I want you to pray this out loud because we don't want anyone saying this by themselves. Everyone in this room, let's pray this together. Jesus, I come to you. I know that I've messed up. I know that I've sinned. I need your forgiveness. So I invite you in. Be the Savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. I pray this in your name. Amen. Now, church, can we just put our hands together and celebrate? The Bible says that. We read that this morning, that if you pray that and you've been disconnected from God, that all of heaven is rejoicing and celebrating with you. God is rejoicing for that decision. He wants to be a part of your life. Now, we're going to respond in just two more ways this morning. Um, we're going to do this quickly. God wants us to be inviting the one. He is focused on the one. And he wants us to be focused on the one, the one who is lost, the one who is broken, that person that doesn't know they need God, that maybe it looks like on the outside they have everything figured out, but on the inside they're hurting. And we get to be a part of this week of inviting them. So we're going to take a physical step and we're going to pray together that as we do that, God would help them open up their hearts, help us to have that conversation. For some of us, we're scared and it feels a little intimidating. And I believe this, that the Holy Spirit is going to give us the boldness. So here in just one moment, I'm going to lead us in a quick prayer. It's just going to be really simple. And I believe this, that someone's going to come to mind. You're going to be tempted to tell yourself, uh, that's just random. I'm just thinking about that person, that coworker, that family member. It's not. They're the one, okay? And whenever we finish praying this and you get that one, and if not, I just want you to still do it. You're going to get out of your seat and over here on this wall, so maybe this section we can go over here, the middle section, you can see right back there at the wood walls over here, right over here, you're going to see these signs that say the one. And there's a Sharpie marker, and I just want you to write the name of your one, okay? That's what I want you to do. 
every time we walk into the room this week, our staff, our leadership team, we're going to pray over thee, okay? On Wednesday, when we come into this room for our prayer time, we're going to be praying over these. We're going to lay our hands symbolically on these names and pray that God would open up their heart, okay? Now, just so you're aware, we're going to take them down before next week, okay? Because we don't want to be awkward for someone you wrote their name up there. And they're like, this is kind of weird. So we'll take them down before next Sunday, but all this week we want to be praying for them. And this is what I believe as we write that name up there, that God's going to give us the opportunity. We're going to see that moment to invite them, to challenge them to come and to experience the love of God, to start a relationship with God. So let me lead us in prayer. As soon as I say amen, I want you to stand up and begin to move and just write that person's name. Let's pray together. God, I thank you because you came after us, Lord. You saw us in our brokenness, in our sin, in our mistakes, and you rescued us, and you redeemed us, and you saved us, God. And now you invite us to be on mission with you, Jesus. You invite us to be doing what you're doing. And so I pray that over each of our hearts, over each of our lives, Lord, give us the one. Give us that person, Lord, that we can reach, God, that we can invite, that we can pray for, Lord, that may be hurting. Lord, whatever it looks like on the outside, Lord, they are missing a relationship with you. So I'm praying, Lord, speak to us this morning. God, give us that name. And as we invite this week, Lord, let their hearts be open. Go ahead and stand up, church. Begin to move out. Grab that Sharpie. Write someone's name. There's sanitizer there if you need it. Then make your way back to your seats and go ahead and grab a seat because we have one other way we're going to respond. I know some of you are still writing. Don't feel rushed. You may have put two names up there. That's fine. If you still need to get up out of your seat and write someone, you can. But whenever you sat down this morning, you saw those invite cards. Um, they're for at the movies. And I want you to take one of those in your hand and one other way that we're going to respond. For some of us, the most kind of nerve-wracking thing is we don't know what it's going to be like when we first invite someone. So we're going to do that here this morning, okay? We're going to get that first invite out of the way, and I promise you it's going to be a yes. Everyone say yes when you're invited, okay? Don't, don't mess this up this morning, okay? So you're going to say yes. What we're simply going to do is you're going to turn to someone around you. You're going to take that invite card, and you're going to say, hey, our church is doing a great series. It's called At The Movies. We're going to be highlighting different movies and looking at yeah, how God can challenge us even through things going on in the world around us. And so I want you to come and be my guest. Come with me. I want you to come next week, okay? So you're going to do that, and then that same person's going to turn around, and they're going to give you an invite card. And they're going to invite you, and you're going to say yes, okay? So we're all going to take this first step this morning. So this week, when we're at Walmart, or when you're at work, or you're walking around the neighborhood, or God leads you, right? Whoever you've been praying for, or even just a random person, you're going to take these cards that are in your seat, and you're going to invite someone this week, okay? That is the challenge that each and every one of us, we would find one person at least, and we would invite them. So we're going to do that this morning. Okay, take that card in your hand, look for someone around you, it could be someone you came with, okay? And we're going to do that right now. You're going to invite them, and then they're going to invite you. Let's do that together.